Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Welcome everyone to City of Life Church. I'm Pastor Jeffrey. Great to be with you today. Those of you that are watching online, we appreciate you being a part of what God is doing here today in our church. This is week four of a series that is called Should. Uh, I was going to end it today, but I'm going to end it next week because I have a two-part idea here on how we're going to shut this down. Uh, today, uh, I'm going to talk about the, the most important way for us to build our life around something that matters. And then next week, I'm going to end with why the Word of God is the particular thing in our life that we can base our morality on, that we can base our ethics on. So I hope to get you excited about the way this whole thing is going to finish. Uh, and if you haven't checked it out, go back the, the last couple of weeks Uh, and watch our Should series. I think that we have really uh, talked about some important ideas about arguing for the existence of God in a general sense to people that don't maybe even believe that there's a God that's out there. Uh, We dug in a little bit to the idea of objective moral uh, values and duties. Uh, And then last week we talked about why Christianity specifically uh, has so many advantages, uh, uh, even, uh, you know, dealing with ethically or, or morally Uh, specifically theologically to other worldviews and then today I'm going to talk about how to build a strong and sturdy life on something uh, that is that's really truly unshakable but before I do how many men were at MMA the other night on Friday night any men in the house man I'm telling you this thing was hot the other night it was fire if you did not show up to our MMA event I really want to invite you tonight uh, it was, it's, the, it's the biggest, best event that we have ever had as, as, a, as a men's group at church. It was totally unbelievable. The presence of God was so strong. Tonight at 5 p.m., we're going to do a small group night for just the men uh, where you'll show up and we're going to split up into groups to discuss uh, the message, talk about MMA the other night. We're going to work on the MMA chant a little bit. That thing was hot. If you don't know about that, you're going to hear about it soon. Uh, but tonight at 5 o'clock, if you're a guy... Uh, come to this event. It's going to be really cool. Uh, a great time of meeting people and getting connected in small groups. And uh, I'm excited about Easter. I don't know how you feel, but I'm looking forward to what God is going to do. Please be a part. Jump on board. Every little thing we do as a church, we're not just trying to make stuff up. Uh, let's do this. Let's do that. No, there's intentionality behind each piece of it. And this is a time to really start leaning into relationships, telling people about how important Easter is to you, inviting people, uh, getting evangelistic uh, with the way we reach out to people, say, hey, come to church with me. Uh, We've got all these events. Maybe helicopter candy drop would be an event that someone you know that would not attend church normally, but they've got kids. Tell everybody you know about these events so we can have an Easter weekend where we see uh, people come to Jesus in ways like we've never imagined for. I got news for you. I, I just wrote this down before I get into my message. There's hope for you today whatever you're going through. Uh, maybe you're gonna, maybe you won't connect with what I'm gonna preach today, but I want you to connect with that. There's hope for you, whatever you're going through. Uh, God is on your side, he's for you, he loves you today. Uh, so do me a favor real quick, just so I know it's gonna work. Uh, everyone gets this message. Turn around, at least make eye contact with three or four people and say there's hope for you today. So you know somebody said that to you in person. There's hope for you today. There's hope for you today. You watching online, there's hope for you today. Amen. Uh, I did want to share with you guys really quick. This week was a pretty significant week for uh, Hillsong. Uh, our church, even, we haven't even connected or been to a Hillsong event since 2018, but uh, we have been a Hillsong family church 
for a long time. And Pastor Brian uh, resigned from Hillsong uh, this week. Uh, his oversight is no longer connected with uh, Hillsong as an organization, uh, which is all the, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very uh, heartbreaking scenario of the way all that stuff played out uh, and the way it is playing out. But we want to make sure that we are offering our prayers and love for the, just thousands of people. One of the largest churches in the world in terms of its reach, 100, over 100,000 people. And, uh, you know, the people that are kind of still involved uh, with Hillsong, we want to make sure that they feel our love and support because uh, they're going through a tough time w without the, the proper leadership uh, in place at the time. But doesn't it make you grateful for Pastor Gary and Janice as the covering over our house here at City of Life? I thank God that they've been uh, strong and steady uh, for years, and I've never been more appreciative uh, to have people in my life that give oversight over us. They started this church in 1986, uh, and, and in the same kind of way, when I see a lot of cool churches that are sprouting up all over the place and leaders that are really charismatic and engaging, uh, that everyone, it's like they're the next big thing. In the back of my mind, I say, you know, let me check on you in about 35 years and see how that's gone. Uh, because these are, these are the people that have shown and, and modeled that faithfulness for us. So we thank you so much, mom and dad, for, uh, for being that model to us. And, and we're going to keep moving forward with what God has called us to. We're going to make sure to continue to build strong relationships uh, with other churches that love Jesus uh, and, and get accountability in all kinds of ways to make sure that everything that we do as a church is going exactly where God wants us to go. Can I get an amen from everyone? Amen. My text for today is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 28. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus talking, by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which before I even read the text, I just have to say this is the most important. When you're talking about ethics and morality, the, the strongest foundation for Christian ethics and morality comes from this discourse that Jesus gave, one of five major discourses that he gave. The Sermon on the Mount is widely regarded and embraced by many people who don't even believe in Christianity, but will say that this uh, is, is the morality and the ethics of this is unbelievable. You'll hear phrases from the Sermon on the Mount uh, in a variety of usages. In a, in a non-Christian world, people use all kinds of things from the Sermon on the Mount. It is pristine. Uh, it is powerful, and kind of as he's landing the whole entire Sermon on the Mount, this is where he comes to about the way you build your life. So today I'm trying to challenge you in this journey that we've been on about, is there a God? You know, let's talk about is there a God from a standpoint of uh, if, if someone doesn't believe in God, how to rationally talk to someone about that. Then we go to the next level of, okay, so if there is no God, then where do we get objective moral value, that things are empirically true uh, or not true. And if you're saying that there's no God, you're kind of saying that nothing has any meaning. There is, other than the meaning that you give it. Uh, so one, what's right for you might not be right for this person, but we know deep inside that objective moral value and duties, they do exist. We know that things and people and relationships, we feel they're valuable. We don't feel like they're just for this experiential moment. We know that they have something eternal in them. And so we've kind of led up to this point where we're now starting to analyze Christianity and we're starting to analyze what Jesus has to say about truth, what Jesus has to say about morality. And after he preaches most of this sermon, he comes to this and this is the way he lands it, and it's powerful, and it just hits me right between the eyes, and I hope it does the same for you. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as a teacher, as their teachers of the law. Father, bless this message today. In Jesus' name, let it reach each heart uh, and bring hope and encouragement. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. How many people were here for all those crazy hurricanes uh, back back in the day? Raise your hand if you were here through the hurricanes. Now, I don't know how many of you have a real strong house, uh, but I experienced two different hurricanes uh, in two different houses. Uh, One house that I was in was not built like the other house that I was in. Uh, one house that I was in, you know when you hear people talk about tornadoes and they say it sounds like a freight train or something like that? I experienced that in my first house. Uh, when, when Aim was pregnant with Jude, uh, we, first of all, it, it, was, it was crazy. What particular hurricane, was that Charlie? Okay, so that was Charlie. So we were in that house during Charlie and man, it just absolutely sounded like the roof was about to come off. I mean, when, when I went outside, the, the shingles were all gone. All the major trees had fallen around our, our house. But we went through another uh, hurricane. I believe it was Matthew. Uh, is that the name of the recent hurricane? Matthew. And that hurricane was crazy too. And it knocked down and tore a huge tree out of our front yard, just completely uprooted it. But what's wild is that the house that we live in now, the way it was built when you were in our bedroom, you couldn't even hear it raining. Two different ways that houses were built. One feels like it's falling apart during a storm. And another feels like you wonder if there's even a storm going on. And you go, let me go check if it's at go- what's going on. You open the door, it goes, <laughs> the, the door flies open. You almost die. It's like twister. You get sucked out of the thing into the air. You're like, why did I try that? You know, it, it's crazy because the house is built so well that you experience the storm in a different way. And what Jesus is saying is that we do this with our lives. We choose to build our lives in such a way that we can either weather the storm or not based on the principles that we build our lives upon. You got two different people who are both building something. What is different? Are the materials that they're building with different? Maybe, Uh, maybe not. But we know what is different, the foundation that they're building upon is different. So you may have two different people who build with the same materials, the same things, the same principles that they build their life on, but what they're building on is the determining factor in whether what they're building is going to stand or fall. How do you build your life properly? As we have been on this journey analyzing why it is that we believe what we believe as Christians, it's really important for us to understand this why. Because when we say should, it is the word that changes everything. Because when we dig down to the bottom of where should comes from, it tells us what we actually believe in this world. And and as we're building our life, we want to know why it is that we intentionally do the things we do. How do you build a life? How do you build a family? How do you build a career? How do you build your faith? You know, if I was going to learn 
how to, if I was going to build a computer, I would have to learn how to build it. Then I would build it. Is that right? I mean, unless you're just going to, you know, grab some screwdrivers and, and a bunch of wires and stuff from your house and go, you know what, I'm going to build a computer. Well, good luck with that, partner. I think the way you build a computer is you have to learn how to build a computer. Then you build the computer. If I were going to learn how to build a car, or if I were going to build a car, I would have to learn how to build a car. Are you following this line of logic here? Then I would build the car. And in the same way, if you're going to build a life, You need to learn how to build a life. Then you build your life. But life is one of the only things that we don't use the proper logic. You know what we do? We just go, I'm just going to do stuff. I'm just going to go do, I'm just going to marry, say, hey, marry me. Let's get married. Okay, now let's do other stuff. Let's do other stuff. Let's buy something, okay? Uh, I want, let's get, you want that house? I do too, I want that house. Let's buy that house, yes. Uh, I get more, uh, I get a dollar more over here than I get over there for work, and I'm gonna quit this, so I'm gonna go over here. Okay, now, hey, let's buy this house. Let's sell that one, let's come over here. You want kids? Me too, let's have those. Uh, let's, okay, let's do it. I'm gonna shave my hair off. You get the blonde, and okay, we're good. Uh, let's move over here. This church, I don't like this one uh, anymore. Let's go to this one. Wait, let's do this one. Are you following me? This is like how we build our lives. This is not analyzing how to build a life and then building it. It's just doing stuff. I wonder why we end up so disappointed when we live our lives this way. It's not what Jesus says we're supposed to do. See, somebody that builds their house on the rock, do you know what they've done? They have gone and researched and looked around for the proper foundation. They say, I like this property. This is great. A beautiful view of the ocean. Mm, but it's not a great place to build a house. I like the view. I love the view. This is, this is like house hunters or something. It's like you're over here. I like this view. Now, this view over here, it doesn't really have a great view. This, this lot right here is not a great view, but the, the foundation, it is rock solid. You know what? I think that if we build here, we can create a view. If we build here, we can develop some stuff around here. We're going to have some stability. We can, we can plant the right trees. We can do the right thing. I'd rather build my house right here and know that in 50 years you can come to my house. And we can have a big party here. And by that time, it'll be all developed and things will look great. We can, the, the, the bamboo trees, the palm trees, everything's going to be big by that time. It's going to be in a state. But over there, nobody's ever going to really be able to build something strong there. Because the foundation ain't right. My, my Alabama came out there for a second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. You try remember the beach ball thing? You try to keep it down to Alabama. That just pops up every once in a while. But it's impossible to accidentally build a great life. It's impossible to accidentally. It takes intentionality. Look at someone next to you and say that. Say it takes intentionality. Type it in the chat. Say, it takes intentionality to build a great life. Now, let's brag on Jesus for a second for this Sermon on the Mount. Because in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's teaching these principles, greatest preaching in history. 
the moral basis for the Christian faith really comes from this. If you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you're going to go, every little chapter, you're going to be like, ooh, it's a banger. Ooh, another banger. Ooh, another banger. It's just, I mean, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable the way it comes across. Just for instance, it starts out with the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No one had ever talked to people like this before. Uh, no one wanted to be poor in spirit, but Jesus is saying, you're actually blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Why does he say that? Because a lot of times when you're pure in heart, you're not doing what everyone else is doing. You're not getting the gain that everyone else is getting, and you feel like you're falling behind. So what he's saying is don't feel like you're falling behind. You're going to see God someday. There's more to the story than you realize. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Sometimes the guy who, who breaks everything up and says, guys, come on, calm down. You're considered the weak one. But what God is saying is you're not weak. You're a child of God when you do this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. Anybody ever have somebody lie about you and just make stuff up? Jesus says, blessed are you when that happens because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He goes on from there to talk about the fact in this Sermon on the Mount that we are salt and light. That, that, that you don't hide a, a great light and, and you let it shine so everyone can see it from afar. He talks about the fulfillment of the law, that he is the fulfillment of the law. He talks about murder. It, you don't, it's not enough to just not murder someone, but don't commit murder in your heart. Don't hate them because you've committed it in your heart. He talks about adultery. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. He takes it to another level and says, I, I say don't even think of a woman with lust because if you do, you've already done it in your heart. He's elevating the standard from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He moves on to talk about divorce. Saying you don't just get divorced just because you want to get divorced. And if you do, you turn yourself and your spouse into an adulterer in the future. When you're just randomly getting divorced, other than sexual immorality, he sets a high standard for divorce. One of the highest of any uh, religion that's out there. The highest, in fact. He talks about oaths. People swear into this, swear into that. He said, stop swearing altogether. Just say yes and no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. He talks about an eye for an eye. He talks about loving your enemies and making sure that you care for your enemies and you treat your enemies well and you greet people that, that don't even want to greet you. He says, if you only greet the people that are nice to you, how are you different than the world? He, I mean, it's just banger after banger. He talks about giving to the needy and making sure that you're not always letting people see you do all the good things you do. Now, this is important to know, and, and it's interesting because people say, oh, well, you should never tell anyone any good thing you do. But also remember, he did say, don't, put your, don't, don't bury your light. Uh, make sure that your light is able to be seen. So there has to be a proper balance of making sure that people see that we're doing what we do for the Lord and knowing that it's Jesus in us, the difference in that and bragging on every good thing you do. There's a difference there. And you have to make sure that you're using the power of the Holy Spirit to find the proper balance of that. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. 
He talks about don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where they can be corrupted, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. He talks about don't worry about your clothes or what you're going to wear, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He talks about be careful if you judge others because whatever judgment you give on them, it's going to come back on yourself. He talks about asking and seeking and knocking. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and it will be open unto you. He talks about the narrow and the wide gate. Be careful because it's a wide gate gate that leads to destruction, but it's a narrow one that leads to eternal life. He talks about true and false prophets, people that are wolves that come in sheep's clothing. He talks about true and false disciples, those that will come before the Lord and say, Lord, didn't I do many miracles in your name? He'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And, and that kind of lets us know that even ministry people who have a lot of uh, influence and, and are well known for doing ministry things, they may not even be true ministers. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Somebody say bangers. He's right. Yeah. And you know what he ends with? The whole thing? This. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Puts what into practice? Everything that I just said. Is like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. It's saying that when you build your life on these principles... That no storm can destroy what you have built. Because what you have built has eternal value. James 1, 22 through 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Somebody say, do the word. Don't just listen to it, do it. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after he looks at himself, goes away and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, will be blessed in what they do. Look and keep looking at the word. And what's interesting about this story is you have two men and both had the same dream. Both of them want to build a life. I'm not, I'm not questioning whether there are people in this room that want to build a life, that are building it on sand. I know you want to build a life. The story is about two people that wanted the same thing. Nobody is really, you know, waking up today saying, how can I destroy my life? No, everybody wants a good life. But some people are just doing it the wrong way. And there is a wrong way. There is a right way. That's exactly what Jesus, both of them have the information. This is the crazy part. This is, this is what is really wild. And let's go back and remember. It says, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. It's really important to remember that. Because it's saying everyone heard it, but not everyone put it into practice. Does that remind you a little bit of our text for the whole entire series from Romans that tells us we all know there's a God? We all can see through creation and through our conscience and from the things that are able to be seen that God is there. So we know that he exists. We know there is a higher, better way. But whether we put it into practice or not is the true test of our faith. Look at someone next to you say, I want to practice this thing. Both have the same information. According to Jesus, he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Now, remember, I, it's, it's what it says. It says they hear the words, but they don't do it. So ignorance is not an excuse. 
Ignorance is not, if it was, a lot of people would get off the hook. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, ignorance is not an excuse. <laughs> Including me most of the time, to be honest with you. But it says, but everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The foolish man is the Greek word moros. Do I really even have to define what that is? <laughs> moros. Because really, think about how foolish you have to be to hear the right way to do something and to ignore it to ignore it you know we all want significance longevity happiness everyone's trying one way or another to build a life but here's the here's the thing that's just true is that building on rock is more difficult than building on sand uh, building on sand you got different ways to prop things up and you feel like it's going okay and you can do it but wait till those rains come wait till hurricane charlie starts blowing things around that's when everything's really going to fall apart. Did you ever play in the sand when you were a kid? You play in the sand, you try to build all these things, and you can get things going, but once a good wind comes, it's going to knock everything down unless you built it the right way. So both had the same dream, and both went through the same storm. That's important to notice. It's also important for you to get ready to understand that just because you're building your life the right way. It does not preclude you from difficulties. See, there's a lot of Christians who say, well, I built my life on the rock, so why should I have to go through the storm? Because everybody goes through the storm. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And, and we can get bitter in life. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people turn from the faith. Because they say, well, I wouldn't want to serve a God that let my parents suffer the way they suffered. I wouldn't want to serve a God that allows this kinds of injustice to go on. And we create and build all these reasons and all these dynamics in our lives that are so bitter, almost inferring that we personally could have prevented something by doing something different or God should have prevented. But what we fail to recognize when we take that view is the big picture of the story of redemption from sin as the human race. And until God rescues us, until we are in heaven in a new earth, until all that stuff happens and, and the last tear is wiped away forever, there's going to be sin and injustice. And we're just going to have to realize that. So I got news for you today. I'm not promising you that by building your life on the rock, it's going to do away with troubles or difficulties. I'm just saying you're going to make it through them. You're going to survive through them if you build your life the right way. Like, like that was a half a clap from one person who clapped on their knee. They didn't even use their hands. They, they went. It's a double thigh pat. What is that? When did, when did this start happening in church? This is really bad. We're a Pentecostal on fire Holy Ghost church. We need some hallelujah. We need some hallelujahs. <laughs> So it says in verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it did not fall because it had foundation on the rock. It said the rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, the same exact scenario, and beat against that house, 
and it fell with a great crash. Two different outcomes. Same exact circumstances, two different outcomes. They had different character. We need wisdom in our lives. What is wisdom? It's the ability to, listen to this, this is so good. Here's what wisdom actually is. It is the ability to, to, to take divine truth. Come on, let's go. I like that ringtone. That's one of my favorites right there. That's one of my favorite. Yours is my favorite. I like your ringtone. That is? What, wait, what's, what's the one uh, when I throw down? It's a good. Oh, dun, dun, dun. I'm so sorry. This, I can't believe this is happening right now. Ringtones get me. I am a little ADD about certain things. I can get off track a little bit. But uh, I, wisdom is the ability. <laughs> love you, love you, love you. Thank you for loving me, even though I'm a goofball. Uh, wisdom is the ability to take divine truth and, and apply it to your life. So listen, there's a lot of wise people that may not seem wise to you, uh, but they're really, they, they're brilliant because they're able to take godly things and take it from just being a, 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 a you know, sound bite or something. There's a lot of people that come to church every week and they're able to take what's being said, not just from me, but from anyone that is presenting the truth of God's word and to take it and to go, I'm gonna figure out a way to apply that to my life. That's what wisdom is. So that's what we need more of in our life. We don't need to just memorize a lot of good quotes. We need the ability to take things that we hear and to apply that divine truth to our lives. And a fool, according to scripture, is not someone who's lacking information. So, so I think that's, that, that's kind of a misunderstanding, that a fool is someone who doesn't have the information according to this story. The fool has all the information, but they disregard the correct information that could save them. So if you have the information, the difference on whether you end up being a fool or a wise person is whether or not you apply the information to your life. So important today for us to take this information and apply it. Luke 6, 48 says this. It says, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep. Woo! Dug, somebody say, dig deep. deep. Come on, I got news for you today. You may have built your life on some stuff that doesn't matter. Start from scratch today. Start from scratch today. Maybe you've made some bad decisions. God wants to give a fresh start to somebody today. Just say, do away with that old house. Bulldoze it, God. I, I don't care about the view anymore. I want something that's going to last. I'm going to come over here. And you know what? This feels pretty good right here. Let me dig down until I get hit some rock. I'm going to dig down. And, 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 you know, as a matter of fact, Paul says this about Jesus. He says, no man can lay another foundation other than the one that is laid, which is Jesus. And so, so you got to dig down until you get to the core of who you are. Should is I'm trying to challenge you to get deep. What is the core of your life? What is the bedrock of your life? If it's something other than Jesus, keep digging. We need to keep digging until we make sure that we hit Jesus in our life. And when we come to that point where we go, I found it. I found it. This is not going to make a lot of people happy what I found. 
A lot of people are not going to agree with the things that I believe when I build my life this way, but they're the ones that are going to get blown away during the storm. My family, me and my family, we ain't going to get blown away because we're going to build our life on something that matters. And I got news for you. This thing has lasted a long time. You look at 2,000 years ago, what it's saying is the Bible says that everybody that builds on their, their life on the rock is going to have a life that endures. Did you know the tallest building in the world is the Burj Khalifa? And it's in Dubai, and it went up in 2010. It's, it's 2,717 feet tall. It's more than a half a mile high. How many New Yorkers we got here? A lot of New Yorkers, I'm sorry, but it's way taller than the Empire State Building. <laughs> I, love, I love taking shots at y'all New Yorkers just because of the giants, though. I love New Yorkers. It's just the giants that bother me so bad. I can handle the jets. It's just giants. I just cannot deal with these people. I'm kidding. I love y'all, too, but Jesus loves you even more than I do. I promise you that right there. He loves you way more than I do. <laughs> it accommodates, it's actually, it's, I'm proud of the Empire State Building, but it's, it's double the height of the Empire State Building. Huge. Uh, it accommodates 12,000 people. Back then, it cost $1.5 billion to build. Um, tallest man-made structure. Uh, building with the most floors. The elevators go 40 miles per hour. They better have a puke bag in that joker if I ever get in there, because I'm going to tell you something right now. The elevator going over 30. I'm going to be throwing up somewhere. That's too fast for an elevator. They need a speed, they need a speedometer on there, and I'll just, or, or categorize them by speed. I said, baby, let's take the 20, okay? I'm, I'm, we can wait a little longer. It, it's, the, it's the tallest uh, structure in the world that ever offered residential spaces like that. It's got the highest observation deck on the 124th floor, my Lord. World's highest swimming pool, 76th floor. Um, that's a little too high for a swimming pool, in my opinion, but whatever. <laughs> a lot of attention goes on the height of this building uh, for good reason. Uh, but check this out. We're talking about foundations here today. So I got a reason for bringing all this stuff up. I have no idea why I'm getting emotional about this right now because it's weird. I'm talking about a building. Uh, but I'm thinking about lives. I'm thinking about my life. I'm thinking about poor decisions I've made in my life that maybe kept my life from being as, as firm as it could have been. I'm thinking about um, you know, men that I prayed for on Friday night who so desperately want to move forward in their relationship with God. I'm thinking about how easy it is for me to sell out and to make decisions that are not right, that don't lead to, to strength for my family, that don't lead to strength for my community. And I'm just thinking... It says it extends 164 feet deep, the foundation does. 58,900 cubic yards of concrete weighing over 120,000 tons. It took a full year just to build the foundation of the Burj Khalifa. One full year to build the foundation. You know why? Because someone took the time to count the cost. And said, if I'm going to build something that is going to set records, I'm going to have to set a record. I'm going to have to have a record-setting foundation underneath it, something that can sustain. Here's the question. How big and solid 
do you want your life to be? That's what you've got to ask yourself. Because if you want something that can go up really quickly and fall really hard, build it on that other stuff. Because anybody can do that. But if you want something that will last and that can weather the storm, foundation determines height, strength, and longevity. Height, strength, and longevity. What kind of life do you want? Both of them, I, I, I like this, both have the same dream. Both of them experienced the same storm. And I guess point number three would be both experienced different outcomes. <laughs> you can't build during the storm. And that's what a lot of people try, try to do. During the storm, you, start, you just can't do it. You got to build before the storm. And the storms are guaranteed. So I just encourage you today, have wisdom in your life. Uh, in, in this series, I, I pray that you take this in for the right reasons and, and, and weigh out the cost of what it means to be a Christian, to build your life on Jesus. Next week, we are gonna end the series. And then the following week is Palm Sunday. Uh, but I, I think that it's really important as we're finishing this series to end it next week with the word of God, why we can build our lives specifically on the word, why we can trust the word of God, why it's the only thing that's solid enough and reliable enough for us to build all the mandates of our life on. So I hope you're encouraged by this today. I hope it's something that's practical for you. I hope that you will take this and apply it uh, to your day-to-day -day life. You'll make intentional decisions about why you wanna build your life in a solid place rather than just something that appeals to the eye. Stop living your life randomly where let's do this, let's do this and weigh out the cost. Build like a master builder. You know, build like someone who, who has thought it out in advance. Count the cost. You ever heard that phrase before? That's, that's a biblical phrase. You're a fool if you don't count the cost. You know, I've, I can't tell you over the years the houses that I've seen people start building that they never finished. Why? They ran out of money. Because what? They didn't count the cost. Count the cost today of, of what it costs to build a life for Jesus. It's tough and it's expensive. Oh, but it's way cheaper than building a life that falls flat on its face at the first storm. I promise you that. And, and you know, the great part of it is you ain't got to pay nothing. Jesus already paid the whole thing for you. It's paid in full. We just got to live it out. We got to follow the blueprints for the life that he's called us to live. So could you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Uh, those of you that are watching online, uh, I invite you now to just take a moment and reflect upon where you are in your life. I would like to encourage you, everyone in the room and those that are watching online, we believe that we serve a God that created this universe with intentionality. He personally designed us and fashioned us in his image. He gave us a free will, the ability to serve him and appreciate him in all of his goodness that we chose with that free will instead of glorifying and honoring him. We chose to step away and disobey and in fact created sin when we stepped away from the holiness of God. And God in his infinite grace and mercy had that mercy and showed grace toward us even then to give us an opportunity to have a relationship with him. It opened up what the Bible 
explains is a sacrificial system where he allowed animals to pay the price, their blood to cover up our sin. But he foreshadowed all throughout the Bible that Jesus, who is part of the Godhead, the Bible says that everything that was made was made through Jesus and by Jesus. He allowed Jesus to become that ultimate sacrifice. That's where we're leading toward in Easter that Jesus took the place of those animals instead of animals covering up our sin so that we could even be in God's presence. Jesus' blood over us removes our sin forever. So we're able to be reunited back to the Father and called co-heirs with Jesus and children of God. The Bible says we have the right to become children of God. I hope that as foreign as that may sound to you, I hope it sounds encouraging today to know that God loved you enough to send his son, Jesus. The Bible said, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. I'm inviting you to do that today. If you're in this room and you do not know Jesus, if you're watching online and you do not know Jesus, I'm just gonna ask you right now, no one looking around, I'm not gonna count to three today. I'm just gonna ask you quickly to lift your hand in the air right now if you need Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. If you need to say that Jesus is the Lord of my life, lift your hand. I see hands going up all over this building right now. If you're online right now and you need Jesus, lift your hand up over your head and type in the chat, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Type that right now. Hands going up in every single section over here today. Praise the Lord. God sees you today. He loves you. Could we pray this prayer together out loud right now? Say, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you. Help me, Lord, to build my life on the bedrock of Jesus. Be my cornerstone, the cornerstone of my life. I know that I can trust you, that through the storms, you will be the Lord of my life. And I can be confident that I will overcome any challenge with you on my side. Thank you for saving me and for forgiving me and for loving me. My brand new life starts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, could we give God a great praise for all those people that gave their heart to the Lord today. Love you so much. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.